ago, the four nations lived together in harmony, and everything changed when the Fire Nation attacked. Only the Avatar, master of all four elements, could stop them. But when the world needed him most, he vanished. A hundred years passed, and my brother and I discovered the new Avatar, an airbender named Aang. And although his airbending skills are great, he has a lot to learn before he's ready to save anyone. But I believe Aang can save the world. everyone, and welcome back to What's Oppa, a rewatch podcast of the greatest show ever, Avatar The Last Airbender. I'm Joyce. I'm Justin. And I'm Anand. And this week, we want to give a special shout out to our friend Vineeth, who read the intro. This is episode 16 of our podcast, where we'll be discussing the Northern Air Temple. And quick fun fact, this episode was at one point actually going to be named The Gliders. All right, so previously on Avatar, you may remember that in the third episode of the show, the gang visits the Southern Air Temple and Aang realizes that many things have changed. And they wonder if the firebenders reached and found the other air temples. (gasps) Did they? We'll have to see. So the first scene is Team Avatar and a bunch of other random people sitting around a campfire listening to this old man telling an airbender story. So it seems. So this man is telling a story of a giant parrot that might be a flying man because it can talk. And he's a member of the airwalkers that laugh at those bound by gravity. Who are these mysterious people? Yeah, when I first heard this, I thought it might have been an allusion to Guru Lagima, or maybe that's where they drew inspiration for it in Korra. But as we see later on this episode, I'm not sure that that's the case. Yeah, very quickly that becomes disproven, but it's a cool, it's a cool thought. Um, Anyways, then Aang thanks the man for the story and says, it must have been a hundred years ago when your great grandpa met them. And the man says, what are you talking about? Great grandpappy saw the airwalkers last week. And Aang is very surprised. Yeah. And he's like, oh, the airbenders still exist. And you just feel so bad for Aang because, you know, they don't. Yeah, right. But he's hanging on to that hope. Um, So anyways, then Aang is like, we got to go find them. And so we have Team Avatar flying to the Northern Air Temple. And he says they're almost there. Yeah. And he's like, this is where they had the championships for Sky Bison Polo. So which again makes you really sad because he thinks he's going to find them. But yeah, he doesn't. I know, I know. Poor Aang. He should have learned. But uh, I have some fun facts about the Northern Air Temple, which is the second air temple that we've seen now. Um, So the Northern Air Temple is the only other air temple, um, in addition to the Southern Air Temple, which was Aang's home, uh, that housed only male air nomads. And it's the only air temple that's not situated on an island. So it's actually located in the Earth Kingdom mainland, whereas all the other ones are kind of on their little, like, random pieces of mountain in the water or something. I don't know. Yeah, I just want to call out in this scene, there's a pretty creepy moment where they're sitting on Appa and it cuts to Aang facing the camera. He's, like, staring intently at the viewer and his eyes are, like, pitch black. It's pretty scary. (laughs) scary all right keep your eyes out for that one um and then katara and sokka are having conversation katara says do you really think we'll find airbenders and sokka says do you want me to be like you or totally honest and katara says are you saying i'm a liar and sokka says i'm saying you're an optimist same thing basically um 
And yeah, this is funny uh, banter, but also I noticed Sokka is carving a little lion head as he's sitting there pretty nonchalantly having this conversation. And it made me think that, oh, Sokka's like really artistic. He's literally sculpting with his knife. Um, And, you know, this kind of contradicts how he's portrayed in some future episodes. One that comes to mind is the Sokka's Master episode where he draws horribly when he's meant to paint the (laughs) landscape. Um, And in the finale, of course, where Sokka draws the famous last portrait (laughs) of the whole team that we see. Um, But here he's carving something like pretty intricate. Um, And then Aang spots the Northern Air Temple and it's surrounded by these quote-unquote airwalkers yeah these airwalkers are flying around and at first they look like biplanes from like world war one because they have like the two leveled wings they look pretty interesting but also another thought i had when i saw them it reminded me of a reference from howl's moving castle in the war where there's these like birds that are like surrounding and flying and like attacking like a big mass in the sky and it kind kind of looked like these Biplanes were like attacking the Northern Air Temple. Wow. Just like technology is going to attack the Northern Air Temple later in the episode. <laughs> Boom. Um, <laughs> yeah. So then Aang gets really salty because he realizes that these people aren't airbenders. And he says, you can tell by the way they move. They're not airbending. Those people have no spirit. Yeah, I thought this quote was actually really interesting. I mean, Aang probably says this in part because he's bitter that you know, they aren't real airbenders, but it's interesting that the technology that's kind of trying to emulate the pure art form of bending, like that Aang as a master of that art form can immediately tell that the technology is only an approximation and not actually the real thing. So Mm. I thought that was interesting. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, It kind of reminds me of the like last in the last episode, how Zhang Zhang just knew based on how Aang walked into camp that he wasn't a master. Uh, Like Aang is a master of airbending. So he does have that sense for the for the I don't know, the power of bending or or people's skill. Yeah, that's cool. Um, Yeah. And then Teo flies by them at that very moment. And he's just laughing really hard. All right. Can I just say that his laugh is really annoying? (laughs) Really? Oh, it oh. actually bothered me a lot. Can you do he, an imitation a, of that laugh right now? No, 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 no. But he has the same exact laugh like three times in a row. It's very, um, it's very like if you were to spell it out, it's like H A H space H A H space H A H. It's very wide and open, like ha ha ha. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That was a good one. That was a good one. And then he does I that like three times mean. in a row. <laughs> Uh, infuriating. Almost as if on cue, as if to annoy Aang even more. Um, and he doesn't even start the laugh with like a guttural, like, ha, ha, ha. He starts on the A. He's like, ah, ha, 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 ha. Like, that, kind of- <laughs> that was perfect. Like, he's mocking Aang. Uh-huh. <laughs> wow, I did not pick up on this at all. You guys are such haters. <laughs> wow okay well i have some nice things to say about teo if you don't mind um well first a fun fact is that teo is voiced by daniel simonis and who is daniel simonis you ask well who is he, he played oh thank you for asking um so he played dean his he's most well known for his role as dean in wizards of waverly place and he is also one of the few oh. yeah 
Uh, but wow. I mean, I mean, this was when he was younger, probably. Although okay. I'm sure he was pretty uh, young on Wizards of Waverly Place too, because. Yeah, it's weird, right? Because in this, he sounds really upbeat. And then Dean in Wizards of Waverly Place is this dumb guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably because this ruined his career as upbeat characters. <laughs> yeah, you're too annoying when you're upbeat. So you got to be kind of like laid back and like dumb and cool. Um, anyways, also, guys, he's one of the few D-list celebrities I've met in my life. Wait, really? So, wow. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, when did you meet him? Uh, I met him maybe when I was in elementary, definitely when I was in elementary school, I was going to the mall with my mom. And then at the mall, they were having this meet and greet happening in like the main area. Um, and it was Daniel Simonis. He was signing autographed photos of himself. And I do have an <laughs> autographed headshot of him somewhere in my possession, uh, hopefully. Um, and wow. And also, Jason Earls was there. So I also got oh, an autograph from Jason Earls. That's huge. Who played Jackson on Hannah Montana. So they had right. all the all the like side characters there <laughs> that day. <laughs> I was very, very excited. Um, huge Disney fan. Anyways, that's my fun fact. So I and I was I was very flustered. He was, you know, quite the the cutie on Wizards of the Place. So I think some of that carries over to Teo and you guys are being too harsh. <laughs> also, this was kind of disturbing, but when I was doing research on the Avatar Wiki, on Teo's Avatar Wiki page, all the comments are these girls just thirsting for Teo. For Teo? Yeah, what? I was so surprised. That's, I feel like he's a child. Yeah. He's like a teenager. Like, I don't know. Maybe they're teenagers too, but Anyway, weird. so, I mean... Yeah, you guys can hate, but he has a lot of love coming from other places. So, <laughs> a very divisive laugh. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I, yeah, Indeed. I'm actually really. I, it's it's really interesting how you guys were instantly turned off by him, um, just from that, <laughs> just from his laugh. Um, anyways, uh, Aang is annoyed clearly and looks very determined to show him up, and so he gets on his own glider, and he and Teo start racing or gliding together i was very confused what they were doing but they're really just trying to show each other up yeah yeah when they start flying it kind of like boggles the mind how some of the physics works because clearly if he's gliding he can't like produce thrust so like he can't make half of these maneuvers that he's making but i guess mm. for the sake of the show we just have to accept that tail can magically fly <laughs> We already know that science doesn't work the way that it works in our world, in the Avatar world. So that's, right. <laughs> um, that's a good point. And that actually brings me to my, one of the questions I had, which is I thought gliding was a form of airbending. And so because how Aang does it is through his airbending, right? He manipulates the air around him to glide. Um, so you're right. I feel like if it were an airbender, obviously they could thrust forward, but it doesn't really make sense that all these non-airbenders are able to glide as proficiently. Um, but he's really good. Um, so then Teo says, hey, you're pretty good. And Aang's like, yeah, I know, but I can do more than just fancy gliding. And uh, I thought, yeah, this kind of harkens back to what Anu was saying last episode, which is like, I now I'm very aware of how defensive Aang gets of his skill um, mm -hmm. as an airbending master. Um, 
Anyway, so then Aang shows off his classic air scooter trick that he invented, um, and he jumps off his glider, scooters across the wall, and then gets back on his glider. And then Teo kind of ups him by drawing Aang's face in the air in his final move, and Aang just looks really glum, uh, and it's pretty funny, and everyone cheers. Um, and I thought, cloud bending. Haha. Oh, yeah. I but not really, but it kind of made me think of that. Yeah, something... I thought of when Aang takes up the scooter trip and scale the scooter trick and scales the wall. The sound they use to animate the scooter kind of sounds like a Jedi lightsaber cutting through the air. Um, oh, really? Wow. Yeah. And another thought I had when Teo makes the face is like, wow, like he's spoken barely 10 words to Aang and already through his laugh, he's conveyed like, haha, like look at you, like like bald 112 year old kid, like old man who's like peaked at 12. Um, but now he's adding insult to injury. He's like painting his face in the sky. Um, Teo's kind of a kind of a dick. Yeah, it was kind of rude, but I think weirdly it kind of does break the ice a little bit because like it was kind of silly and Aang actually does take it really well and it kind of race the eyes and they kind of become very friendly very quickly yeah i think it's all in good fun i think teo is not a mean-spirited person because actually teo i mean teo is like hey you're pretty good you know he's pretty excited i think to be able to fly around with someone who's as skilled as he is uh, mm -hmm. so he thinks mm -hmm. Yeah, twice now we've seen Aang kind of warm up to people after they bully him. Uh, earlier is with Pip Squeak, where he's like laughing, and then Pip Squeak like smashes into the <laughs> ground, and then he like laughs even harder. <laughs> so toxic. <laughs> um, anyways, yeah, so they land, and Teo realizes that Aang is the Avatar, and Aang is very pleased. Well, he's actually he's kind of he's actually a little shy. His reaction, he's like, hmm, yeah, I am, um, but it's nice. <laughs> and then you know they're friends, and then. Um, Teo talks about his dad and all his inventions, and so they follow Teo to go see some of the his dad's stuff. Yeah, and right away they set up the dichotomy between Aang and Sokka, because Sokka is fascinated by the glider chair and the technology, and then Teo's like, oh, let me show you more. Mm -hmm. So it kind of splits the Sokka and Aang up on this theme of technology. Yeah, yeah. So I actually read some of this. Uh, when I was doing my research, but it actually isn't revealed. Uh, if you like, if you think about it, it's not revealed that Teo is disabled at all until he lands. Um, he just looks like, well, ah, you can kind of see his legs and stuff, but you know, he doesn't get in his wheelchair until he lands. And so you see how exceptional he is in flying. Um, and he has all this spirit and he's very proficient and, you know, really skillful and great, uh, at his craft. And, um, you only notice that he has this disability when he uh, lands. And so we've talked about this being something Avatar, like the show touches on. It's just like, you don't judge people by, you know, their appearance, if they're small, if they're big, you know, all these things. And so I think this is, Teo's character is is some a testament to that uh, message that Avatar wants to send to its audience. Also, there's a lot of great non-bender action in this episode in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so then they go and are, they're taking this tour around the air temple and Aang is starting to see that all this machinery has kind of infested the temple. Yeah, I think that's a really good way to put it. It's kind of like, instead of 
nature reclaiming the building and having like weeds everywhere and roots growing all over the place it's kind of like science has taken over the building and there's like pipes going through the walls and everything um it kind of reminded Mm -hmm. me of a steampunk vibe because there's all this steam going everywhere um and gears and everything um but something i found in a blog while doing research is someone pointed out that there's a statue of a bison who's holding a ball and that's like a reference possibly to the bison ball games that he was uh, was talking about earlier Mm -hmm. and when they land earlier outside there's also two statues there Um, Mm. something else of note is when they're walking into the building and Aang is taking in all this change that has occurred to the temple they pass a mural that's like occasionally interspersed with these pipes coming in and out Um, and most notably two of the pipes go through like a monk's head and another one through his heart uh, kind of driving home the point but I read online that the murals are actually references to the earliest airbenders learning airbending from the bison. Mm. Oh, wow. That's cool. So then Teo talks about what a genius his dad is. And Aang says, this place is unbelievable um, and in kind of a negative way. And then Aang walks away and Katara comforts Teo by saying, Aang used to come here a long time ago. I think he's a little shocked it's so different. And then Sokka says, so better. (laughs) Um, And it made me think of Mr. Science and Reason or whatever they called him in the fortune teller. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. He clearly like doesn't give a damn about culture and, and I don't know spirituality and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. um, anyways, then Aang and Katara look up at the mural uh, that, you know, Justin was talking about. Yeah. And then I just want to mention that Aang says that this is supposed to be the history of my people. And so that's kind of um, like an even bigger blow to him because he knows that all the airbenders are gone. But even the stuff that's depicting the history is being wiped out. It's like the last vestiges is like being erased by this like frivolous machinery in, in Aang's in Aang's view. So it's yeah, it's like an insult to injury again. Yeah, yeah, that is it is really sad. Um so then they walk out into this courtyard and they're admiring Aang is admiring how at least this part has been preserved and then this Teo's dad just completely destroys one of the statues that they're admiring. And then Aang confronts Teo's dad for destroying the statue. And it's like, how could you do that? That was, you know, sacred. Yeah. And then Teo's dad, the mechanist, he's like, he responds with, well, people around here are starting to stink, uh, which I think is like very insensitive for him to say, especially to this kid he's just met. And the kid very obviously is either the avatar slash airbender or like an, av- <laughs> like an airbending, like, like freak who really is just into airbending <laughs> history. Um, either way, like you're hurting this guy's feelings. Yeah, yeah. Anyways, he realizes that Aang is the Avatar and explains why they're there. So he explains that a long time ago, his people became refugees after a flood, uh, which killed his wife and hurt Teo. Um, and then they came to the temple and he found all the little light flying machines that gave him the idea to build a new life for his son in the air. Um, and Teo's dad says, we're just in the process of improving upon what is here. And after all, isn't that what nature does? And Sokka and Katara are listening to his whole story and just tearing up in the background. And Aang looks completely not impressed. But yeah, Sokka is back there tearing up, mm-hmm. which is very strange and very interesting. Um, yeah. When else does he cry? 
when Yue dies? I don't even know if he does. So there you go. Yeah. The man has feelings. The boy, the, the guy, the teen has feelings. Anyways, and then Aang <laughs> says nature knows when to stop. Well, first of all, like, I don't even think that's true. It's not that nature knows when to, when to stop. Like, nature continues regardless of what people want it to do. I think it's more so that humans know when to stop. And when they're actually impacting people's lives, like, you stop, you know, technology or whatever you're doing to not hurt people. But so I don't know. That's that's kind of iffy. But then the dad or the mechanist responds by saying, unfortunately, progress has a way of getting away from us. Which is also just a really interesting quote because it is true that a lot of times technology is a force that once you once you begin, it's kind of like a Pandora's box. Like once you open this this thing, like anyone has access to it and can cause all sorts of devastation. So I think in this episode, we're very clearly seeing, you know, technology as an amoral thing, but in the possession of some people, it can be a very great thing with like Teo being able to fly. Um, but then in the wrong hands, like the Fire Nation, it can be a tool for very bad things. Yeah, I just want to make some references here because I think they're very apt to Guru Lagima, who is the monk slash guru who inspires the hero to go weightless or to fly in Korra. But I think it's an apt comparison because first... He originates from, he comes from the Northern Air Temple. Um, and also, I think he has three quotes, and I think they're very apt here. And the first quote is, new growth cannot first exist without the destruction of the old. And I think that's a very apt comment in this stance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> because not only like from a very physical standpoint, like the, the usage of the building cannot move on until... It's old uses, you know, are kind of like destroyed and it can take new life. But also like Ainge spiritually cannot move on without the destruction of his like clinging to the old ways of his life. That's interesting. Yeah. That is some wisdom. Um, then Teo shows Aang around and Aang is still sad because uh, nothing is the same. But then Teo shows him a hermit crab and says the creatures are probably direct descendants of the same ones that lived here a long time ago. So then Aang cheers up upon finding these hermit crabs. And then Teo says there's one part of the temple that hasn't changed at all and leads them to this door to a sanctuary that only an airbender can open, which is very similar to the door we saw in the Southern Air Temple. Um, but Aang doesn't want to open it because he wants what's behind the door to stay untouched. Yeah, I thought this was a pretty mature move on Aang's part because... I mean, he wants nothing more than to learn more about his culture and... I don't I don't know if he's ever been to the Northern Air Temple, but he clearly misses his culture and like wants to feel connected to some part of it. So I think it's a very mature move to him to not open it and not want to see what's on the inside in order to preserve it. Um, So I thought that was good on him. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So the next scene is Sokka just buddying up with Teo's dad. Uh, He's finally (laughs) found his person. Um, But then Teo's dad is showing Sokka around this very dark hallway uh, in the temple. Yeah, this scene is also like very reminiscent of like when Tenzin, Bolin and Mako are escaping from Kazan and they're running down like a very similar hallway escaping the lava. It's like very cool to see all these scenes like recreated in Korra. Hmm. Yeah, because they they do go back to the this temple right 
Yes. So yeah. 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 That is super cool. Um, so then Teo's dad shows Sokka this room that's filled with natural gas and explains the problem that he's been trying to solve, which is sometimes there are gas leaks that are nearly impossible to detect. So they need to figure out how to locate something they can't see, hear, smell, or touch. Wow. How are they going to do it? Um, so we'll find it later. But for now, Katara is trying to explain experience flying um and teo says the wind will carry you it supports something inside you something even lighter than air and something takes over when you fly katara is super nervous and ang says that something is spirit um so katara is like okay she goes for it and she lifts off with the glider and she's screaming really loud but then it turns into laughter and just giddiness um and yeah it's just a moment of like pure joy, I think. And it reminds me of uh, the time I went bungee jumping. (laughs) 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 Um, Yeah, it is like really, I mean, it's just, it is that like transition from like utter terror to like extreme joy. And so I was like, that's pretty cool. Yeah. It'd be cool if we could all fly, you know? It'd be cool to, yeah, be an airbender. (laughs) Does that put airbending up on the up on the top of the list again or <laughs> Indeed it does. Nah, it's still lame. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. to further reinforce how cool airbending is, the second Guru Lagima quote I think is very apt here. He says, Instinct is a lie told by a fearful body hoping to be wrong. Um, and I think Katara clearly learns here that her instinct is not to jump, but now she's overcome it and she has this like wonderful experience. Um, which is really cool. That's a cool quote. Yeah, Yeah. that is a good quote. Um, But unfortunately, she ruins it because the next thing she says is, I can't believe I'm flying. Like, hello, no appreciation for our oppa. Like, you know. (laughs) 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 He's literally carrying the team. Can't they at least give him some credit? Uh, Right. Appa really just, he's so underappreciated. Yeah. And then they finish flying and Aang says that even though Teo isn't an airbender, he really does have the spirit of one. And then he says, you know what? If you want to see what's inside the door, like I'll open the door, which is pretty big of him. Yeah. Again, I thought this was just another mature comment from Aang. I think in this episode, he actually displays a lot of EQ. I think he's definitely (laughs) grown a lot uh, emotionally since the Southern Air Temple. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point because these two episodes, you can really... um, you can really make that comparison. Yeah, he's like a very good sport here compared to in the Southern Air Temple when he was like crying yeah. and angry and, you know, all that. I completely agree. I even thought that I, w- I even wondered why Aang wasn't even like more upset than he was when he first started yeah. to see all, all the technology that had taken over. Um, yeah. And, and one part of me was like, oh, this is out of character, but it could also just be growth, which is, I think, the better <laughs> the better <laughs> thing. Um, so then we go to Teo's dad's workshop where we see some Sokka Teo dad bonding. Um, and a fun fact is in the first shot, we see Teo's dad working at his desk and we see blueprints for the Fire Nation drill weapon that's used in the drill of season two, which is really cool. I did not pick yeah. up on that when I watched, but like, that's so awesome that they just, yeah. they have all this technology inter leaved with uh, like the whole rest of the show and it's super cool um 
Anyways, then Sokka knocks over some of the scrolls uh, in his bookshelf, and then he knocks over this model hot air balloon, which cracks an old egg, and so everything starts to smell bad. So they're trying to look for the egg, and Sokka says, how can something that's so small you can't even see it make such a big stink? And then they have their light bulb eureka moment, and they come up with a solution to their problem, which is to put rotten eggs in the chamber where the gas is, so that when there's a leak, you can just follow the smell of rotten eggs and plug it up. Uh, but the happy moment is quickly interrupted when this uh, alarm bell rings and Teo's dad says something's wrong and he leaves. And what's wrong is that the air temple sanctuary door is being opened and has this weird 3D animation again. I'm just like, why? I hate uh, when they do amazing. this. <laughs> <laughs> it just feels so out of place. Um, but anyways, this is kind of a big reveal. Teo's dad shows up and Aang confronts him for making weapons for the Fire Nation. And Teo's dad says, a year after they moved to the temple, the Fire Nation soldiers found them and threatened to burn everything to the ground. But he offered his services in exchange for sparing his people. Um, and then Teo tears up and he turns away from his dad and he's like, you know, he doesn't even say anything. He's just so ashamed. Um, and so we get another classic moral dilemma of, is this okay? <laughs> is this okay to offer your services of making weapons of mass destruction for the fire nation to protect your people. Yeah. I mean, it's hard for us looking at them to judge them because obviously they're in like real circumstances. I think it's like totally understandable that his dad actually ends up doing it to save like his son and everyone. And you can understand that and respect it. I mean, the one thing maybe you can say is like, why is Teo's dad so enthusiastically and actively building this technology that he knows the Fire Nation will use? And so Ooh. that is something that I think you could fault him on. And I think it's his like, it's his passion for science and technology that's driving him. And I think that kind of blinds him to, oh, the Fire Nation is actually using this on real people. So I think that's something you can kind of fault him for, for sure. That is such a good point. He is very rapidly developing things, even though he's kind of... You know, even though he's doing yeah. so with his hands tied, uh, I don't know. Yeah, that's that's interesting. Yeah. But I mean, like a very real world parallel to this is a lot of refugees in World War II did end up working for, you know, the American government building weapons. Um, but it's partially like why the atom bomb was able to be built. And then even after the war, a lot of German engineers were basically given pardons because they handed over all their research to the Americans, right? Like who knows if we could have gone to the moon and beaten the Soviets if we didn't have German engineering. Yeah, that's true. That's true. The one um, thing I would say about that is about the atom bomb. I think that parallel would kind of be like if this guy lended his service to build like the super powerful machine for the resistance against the Fire Nation. Because I think in that case, like the Nazis are kind of more linked to the to the fire nation and then it's like the resistance to them that would do anything to defeat them yeah but, that is true yeah. i'm also thinking of it in terms of like achieving safety and, and having to get mm -hmm, like mm -hmm. give away technology yeah. For it. yeah yeah that makes sense yeah for sure yeah good point so then this bell rings and Teo's dad tells them to go, but Teo says they're not going to leave, so they just hide. And Teo's dad opens up the door and Warmaster Chin is the name of this man. Um, he actually appears more often than I had expected throughout the rest mm -hmm. of the show. Um, and so he does deserve a name. Anyways, so <laughs> he, <laughs> he uh, asks where the weapons are and when he 
is about to, uh, and when Teo's dad is about to show him, Aang interferes and closes the door and says, you're leaving this place empty handed. Yeah. And then the me- mechanic says, Aang, don't get involved. And then War Master Chin says, if I don't get what I'm coming for, then I'll burn this whole place to rubble. And my first thought was, dude, your priorities are all out of whack. <laughs> you should be trying to capture the Avatar right now. Um, yeah. It's crazy to see how like one track minded <laughs> he is. Yeah, that's pretty funny. Um, another thought I had was this guy is apparently the war minister in charge of technology. So he's very clearly an indispensable right hand man to Fire Lord Ozai. So how differently would the show have gone if, you know, Ng and Teo's dad just kind of took care of him here? <laughs> yeah, that's an I was I was thinking that's weird. They just like let him leave to burn the place down. Um, but yeah, I don't know. Yeah, things could have gone very differently. So uh, speaking of, he he's actually the guy that's in the drill uh, when the drill approaches Bossing Say. Um, so yeah, who knows? That whole thing may not have happened. Yeah, his other appearance is in the finale where he's just or not in the finale. Sorry, in the Day of Black Sun where he's walking around the uh, underground tunnels and then the Aang and. Uh, everybody or i forget who's there ask him where the fire lord is and he's like that way so oh not a very, he's that guy wow yeah he's <laughs> not a very cool. good right hand man i guess um <laughs> actually no he oh yeah he leads them to azula he leads them to azula yeah okay never mind he's just he's this, all he he's an important dude he was in yeah. on it <laughs> um Anyways, yeah, so he does just just leave, which you're right, is kind of funny. Um, but I guess he wasn't really armed or anything, and yeah, seemed fine, I guess. But yeah, they should have just taken him out. <laughs> um, anyway, so now they're prepping for this big attack, and everyone's freaking out because they don't know how they're going to beat uh, the Fire Nation. And Aang says, we have something they don't have, air power. We control the sky. That's something the Fire Nation can't do. And I thought... Nah, dude, have you seen the way Azula and Ozai can fly? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways. That's yeah. so overpowered. But yeah. Anyways. I mean, yeah, yeah, not everyone can do that. So whatever. I just think it's funny that some like very powerful firebenders can fly, which is not fair. Um. Anyways, then they start strategizing and Teo's dad says they have the war balloon and they got it working thanks to Sokka. And Teo's dad says, you're a genius. And Sokka says, you're a genius. <laughs> it's really <laughs> funny. They're just such nerds together. And Sokka's brains are finally getting some recognition and um, people are finally going to listen to him because he has this elaborate war plan, which is the only time people listen to him. And so Sokka explains the mechanics of the war balloon and he is really relishing his moment. He's like, the question became, how do we put a lid on hot air? And meanwhile, he already has the model war balloon that has a lid on the top. And, <laughs> and then um, Katara and Aang make fun of him. And Katara says, oh, I wonder... But Sokka doesn't even care. Uh, He's just so in in the zone um, and it's really great. And then Sokka says, well, a lid is actually the answer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And Katara says, hmm, that's actually pretty smart. So finally, even Katara is uh, giving Sokka some credit because that actually is pretty smart. (laughs) (laughs) I find it pretty funny that in in the face of imminent attack, Sokka has enough time to build a one-to-one scale model, toy model of a... Yeah. Yeah, it's like a little science fair project. Then it's time. 
it's the fight scene. And so Sokka is nowhere to be seen when they're getting ready for the battle. And so they decide to start without him. Yeah. And they unveil like an unreal number of stink bombs, which kind of like led me to a question of, wow, they discovered stink was a thing with the rotten egg, like literally a day or two ago. How where did they come up with all this stink? Does do they just have like a mess of rotten eggs like sending somewhere ready? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a good yeah. point. Um, so then the gliders dive down and they slime bomb all the fire nation soldiers. Yeah, so I thought this was also interesting because it's another like classic war scene that we've seen a couple times throughout the show. And I think the last time we saw it, a big scene like this was in the Blue Spirit episode. And we mentioned that it was very medieval feely. Like there, there was like a lot of siege technology and like people with spears and all this stuff. So I thought this was an interesting like case study of like if people had air power during medieval times and they basically just destroy like everyone. If you have air power, it's such a hack. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we'll see. There's even more technology coming. So yeah, yeah. that's a good point. It's really like a, a mixing of the the eras. Um, actually, I I think this is the first big battle, like formal battle scene that we see. Because in the Blue Spirit, they're just escaping. It's kind of those one-off fight scenes. But the reason I really love this scene was because this is a real, a proper battle. Um, yeah. And we don't see that until, I mean, we see it on a couple episodes with the season one finale. But it feels really a lot grander. You know, you just, it's not just Aang and Zuko trying to escape these people, like, you know, being outnumbered, which is usually what the case has been. They have this whole army from both yeah. sides and this whole plan. Yeah. And it's really cool. Um, it is really cool. Anyways, at one point, Aang uses his air scooter to start an avalanche and first reminded me of Mulan when Mulan does the same thing. And then also it, thought, it made me think that Aang is not just fun in games. You know, this air scooter is something that he invented, I think, just for funsies. But these skills are very real and we see them here uh, employed mm -hmm. in a more formal way. Um, it's interesting that you say that. My first thought was, wow, how many people did Aang kill just now? Oh, with the avalanche? Yeah. That's fair. I thought that later in the episode, because, you know, it's just snow. Snow is so fun. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, I, I, I agree. I think, I think Aang really has more of a problem with just like the direct hand-to-hand -hand combat, <laughs> which is fair. I think most people probably feel the same way. Um, Anyways, then the Fire Nation soldiers start climbing the mountain in these tanks and they're like, oh, my goodness. Like, I thought it wasn't possible to get to these air temples, like Aang was saying uh, in the Southern Air Temple episode. Um, and I have some fun facts about the tanks. So first, I thought, damn, this is the first real display of Fire Nation technological superiority. No, it's not just spears. They have these huge tanks that are they can you know when they're flipped over they can re-flip themselves mm -hmm. like it's kind of insane um but yes yeah, so these tanks were probably commissioned by war master chin also and designed by the mechanist and we know this because uh in the scene where the air temple sanctuary is um revealed we see spiky wheels and these are tundra tanks so oh. they do have these um spikes on them so that they're better able to navigate um the terrain oh dang 
Yeah. Uh, also, these tanks were animated using computer graphics, apparently, um, which is I, I, I didn't think they were super weirdly animated. But anyways, they are they weren't drawn by hand, but uh, apparently it's also very time consuming, which is what the Avatar Extras said. They got some 3D action going on with these tanks, too, right? Like when they flip over and recalibrate you're right, themselves. You're right, you're right. So all the 3D yeah, stuff yeah. is probably not hand drawn. Yeah, and, you know, yeah. I loved it. Programs. <laughs> oh, um, whatever. It's the same thing. It's technology corrupting the animation. Yeah. <laughs> so meta. <laughs> wow. Yeah, you're right. But I, I love it, actually. So it's making it better. So better. Um, but yeah, so these tanks are like absolutely crazy and come out of nowhere and just scale the scale, like the 90 degree angles of the walls of the temple, which is just yeah. crazy. But then I was like, wow. So we had one technological innovation of like air power. And then we got this other technological innovation on the other side with these tanks. Um, and so it, it actually does remind me of World War One, which was like the first modern warfare war where, you know, at the beginning they were using horses and I guess they had guns, but, you know, they were still like relatively in the olden days. But by the end, there was like air power and tanks and everything. So like this is, I think, really the point where like the Avatar world comes into like the quote unquote modern modern warfare scene. And then Teo says he thinks he knows that the, the tank's weakness and says they have some counterbalancing system that has to do with water. And Katara says, oh, do you think you could get me close to one? And so she attempts to take them out with water bending. Um, but I, I, she seemed to just use the snow around to kind of flip them over, which didn't seem very related to how the water is used in the tanks. I don't know if you guys saw something different, but... So I thought the same thing when I was watching it. I was doing a little bit of reading and what I what what someone said was basically that the like counterbalance system is actually inside the axles of the wheels. So then like after she does the ice thing, the wheels of the tanks fall off. So what they said was oh. she froze the water inside the wheels, which caused them to fall off. But it is like kind of unclear. Interesting. So. That's also bending water she can't see. Yeah, that's what I was thinking too. Mm -hmm. She does that a lot. <laughs> yeah it's a sign of what's to come i know i also thought that when she was taking on the tank she looked a little bit uncomfortable um and and you could see that she has gotten more powerful because the the ice that she brings up is like pretty yep. big and um yeah and it's really effective but she does still look slightly uh, nervous when she's doing it and kind of yeah. unsure, which is very quickly about to change, which is super exciting. But yeah, it, it made me more excited to watch her bloom into the master that we're going to yeah. see later. But I feel like one thing I thought of when I saw this scene was like one thing they did really well in the first season, I feel like is showing Katara's growth as a waterbender because mm -hmm. like she does little things here and there, but now she's like taking on the tanks and then next episode she like goes him so <laughs> yeah uh, that's yeah. cool yeah i feel like katara and Sokka have really good season one arcs but Aang is definitely slower to catch on yeah although Aang does show some maturity here too yeah so. yeah yeah that's true yeah um Anyways, then Appa starts to take down a bunch of the tanks. As usual, he's a tank. Um, and then Sokka <laughs> appears in his balloon finally, and they have these mega slime bombs, and the Fire Nation doesn't shoot because they think the, the balloons 
insignia is the fire nation one so uh they get played they don't see it coming um and then yeah they set the bombs off but the tanks keep moving which is you know they're Mm -hmm. just unstoppable um and i just thought what did they expect it's slime (laughs) what can slime do it's all this it's like not harmful really i it depends (laughs) how thick it is i guess there's the slime in the um in the firebending masters episode that is not, oh yeah that, that almost is not innocuous them. yeah 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 <laughs> um so maybe not but also it made me think that this is nickelodeon just trying to like get in there <laughs> their, their little <laughs> branding in there <laughs> yeah plug their slime um yeah and then they smell rotten eggs and Sokka thinks to remove their fuel source from the balloon to create a bomb and then it goes boom and then the fire nation soldiers retreat and this is the moment in the episode where I thought, wow, they must have just killed a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Um, <laughs> I, but they kind of try to brush it aside and be like, oh, they retreated. <laughs> um, <laughs> not the ones that just got blown up. <laughs> um, yeah. Anyways, then the final scene is Aang saying he's really glad that all these people live here now because it's like the hermit crab. Maybe you weren't born here, but you found this empty shell and made it your home. And now you protect each other. Um, and then now I think this is a good time to bring up the third quote from Guru Lagima, which is let go your earthly tether, enter the void, empty and become wind, um, which is like the titular kind of quote that Zahir says before he jumps off a cliff and starts flying. But I think it's very apt here because it's Aang kind of giving up his like earthly desires for the way things used to be and kind of giving that up and accepting accepting the temple as it is now and the people that it houses. And he hmm. lets that go and, and reaches inner peace. Oh, I love these quotes, Justin. Um, cool. So then Sokka tells Aang he is right about air power. And he says, as long as we've got the skies, we'll have the Fire Nation on the run. Yeah. And I was thinking, like, isn't this not true? Because the Fire Nation had tanks that were immune to their air power. They just got lucky because they could blow up the entire mountain. <laughs> so I don't really know that Sokka should be so optimistic right now. Yeah. But I think he says it to set up the next scene. Dun, dun, dun. So the Fire Nation people find the fallen balloon and they're able to blow it back up. And the master warlord Chin says, this defeat is the gateway to many victories. Oh, <gasps> with the Fire Nation motif playing in the background. So, so menacing. I know. Yeah. And in doing research for this episode, um, I came across this. And when I saw this quote, I kind of think it takes a double meaning, because if you think about it in Korra, when Zaheer traps and captures and kidnaps all the airbenders at the Northern Air Temple, because they blow up the side of the mountain, this kind of prevents them from escaping. So it enables Zaheer to be able to capture all the like airbenders left in the world. Wow. So it's kind I of like remember that, but that's really cool. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's a double meaning here. Whoa. Yeah. Um, yeah. I also just to bring it back to kind of the continuity of all this technology, all these uh, inventions throughout the rest of the show, we actually see these war balloons come back again in the form of, even bigger and badder airships that we see in the day of black sun part two and Susan's comment part three. Um, 
so just great continuity. Um, also, we see one of these more, the more, you know, early on prototypes of the balloons in the Boiling Rock, uh, where Zuko and Sokka go to use the balloon to travel to the prison, which is also what Zuko uses to go find them, or Team Avatar in the first place. Mm, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So it's, you know, pretty awesome. Like, again, great world building. Uh, the show does just tie yeah. everything back together uh, in the last season. So... That concludes this episode, and let's get on to our ratings. Yeah, so I was between a six and a seven, but I think I'm going to give this episode a seven. Um, I think it explores this theme of technology in a way that definitely no other episode does and really tackles it head on, which is really cool. Um, like the character of the father, the mechanist, is pretty cool in this like mad scientist guy, and it sets up a lot of more moral dilemmas that are actually like quite you know, very interesting to think about and like very reasonable. And it very aptly shows technology both as a good in the case of Teo and as a bad in the case of the Fire Nation, um, which is, you know, very cool. And yeah, the war scene at the end was also very cool and fun to watch. Um, and, you know, Sokka had some good moments here and Aang had some good moments here. And Katara was a badass waterbender, so... Yeah, it was it was it was a fairly good episode overall. Um, um, I also think I give it a seven. Um, adding on to what Anand said, a lot of the themes remind me of transcendentalism in American Renaissance, kind of like this idea of nature versus technology. And I guess in from a technological standpoint, this kind of is the start of where that whole period in American history is. With the invention of rail, although I guess it's a couple years before that, because like Cora is where rail comes in. But I guess with steam powered boats and all this new tank technology, this is kind of like around where it starts, um, which is really, they're really cool themes to explore. And again, doing research in this, uh, I came across a blog post that said this episode almost reminds them of like, an HBO like series episode like this could easily be in Game of Thrones, um, but they kind of have to like aim it towards a child's audience, which is why like the war scenes aren't as epic. But it's pretty cool. Like the whole explosion at the end kind of reminds me of when they blow up King's Landing in Game of Thrones. I, I guess spoilers oh, for yeah, Game of Thrones, but if you haven't seen it at this point, like are you really? Or or with the um, what is it Blackwater Bay? Ah like, yeah, they set everything on fire. That's also like yeah yeah that too. Um, very moving war scenes. The only thing I can really fault this episode for, and it's it's not a big fault, but I would say the moments where it's just Sokka and the, uh, the mechanist, they seem a little dry. Like they try to play off like they're being incredibly inventive, but it doesn't seem like that. It's like kind of on the nose with the whole like natural gas and um and, and sulfur smell of the eggs, because uh, that is how, it, you know, like if you have natural gas stove at home, like you've probably smelled it before. So those moments were a little dry, but I think everything else was really good. Oh, that and I guess Teo's laugh, like God, Jesus. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty funny. Um, but yeah, outside of that, very, very solid episode. I think often an, an underrated episode because it's for it's it's overshadowed by it's it's the big three that are coming up yeah yeah solid totally. seven lucky seven 
Yeah, totally agree with everything you guys said. Um, I was in between a six and a seven too, but now I'm like, is should I give it an eight? Because I also I can't really think of anything that. I mean, I can think of one thing that um, I wish maybe was included, but you know, it's only twenty minutes, so what can you do? Um, so yeah, I'll go with a seven just to uh, be on on par wow. with you guys. Is this the first the time we've all wavelength? agreed on a rating? Maybe. I think this is. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, I thought, you know, I thought this was a just really tight episode. Like we get so much, I feel like the little plot twist at the beginning with the airwalkers, you know, playing on Aang's residual uh, desire to connect with his past. Um, Teo's a likable character, I think. I mean, maybe aside from his laugh, I think he's very positive and he just has a great attitude. I think he's really, he's able to really quickly bond with the rest of Team Avatar and, um, it's just super down, I feel like. Um, anyways, then, yeah, I, I thought there was another little plot twist that was kind of nice with Teo's dad. And so we just had this whole roller coaster of emotions. Um, and that's just in the first half. And then you get this awesome battle scene, which I think this battle scene would maybe even give it a point more. But I'll just stick with a seven because it's just it's a full on battle. It's not just a scrappy little fight among, you know, one or two or three people. Um I think the legacy that this episode has on the rest of the show is just awesome. Like the drill reference, which I didn't even notice, just all the Fire Nation weapons that are probably were invented by Teo's dad. Um, I, I, other ones include the eclipse glasses that they have during the Day of Black Sun, also something that the mechanist brings along with him. Uh, they create the new he creates the new glider for Aang when his glider burns up, um, and the waterbending powered submarine that they use for their invasion also in the Day of Black Sun. So it's just really cool how it all comes back together. Sokka is really awesome in this one, I think. And then my one thing that I wrote down was that Zuko and Iroh are missing for the second episode in a row, which is, I think, slightly a downer. But obviously they come back and are very, very, you know, present in the rest of the series. Actually, I don't even know they come back in the next one. But yeah, I can't for, I can't remember. Um, so, yeah, it's really good. It's really good. So that concludes this episode of the podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we hope you enjoyed our discussion of the Northern Air Temple. As always, we release on WhatsApp Wednesday. So we'll see you next time for our discussion of the Waterbending Master. If you want to stay up to date on when we release and submit thoughts or questions on the episodes, be sure to follow us on Instagram at at what's underscore appa, like our Facebook page, or you can email us at whatsappapod at gmail.com. Also, subscribe on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like this episode, be sure to give us a five-star rating on your platform. Thanks again and see you next time. Bye. Bye. Same here, Robert.